2: Slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S To get 50% off your first month
3: Hey, this is Doug Pinnick from Kings X And you're listening to Talking Metal May the groove be with you
0: Alright, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast My name is Mark Striegel How are you guys? Um, we're gonna do two things here today We're gonna talk to Doug Pinnick, And we're gonna talk about Ride the Lightning The Metallica record So before we do that Let's thank the people who support me on Patreon. Nick Beach. Hope you got your t-shirt, Nick. Let me know if you hear this. Um, Mrs. Metal Dan. Sam Warwick. Kato Yogova. Adrian Cusick. Dane Damage. Madison Hatter. Madison Hatter has some great music, by the way. She's a, a local New Jersey girl who puts out some great music, plays in the city, even plays shows out in uh, L.A. She's uh, worth checking out if you're into straight ahead rock, straight ahead hard rock. Uh, Seth B., Alan Janssen, Hank Reeves from Dash Vodka, the best vodka on the planet. John Simpson, Huckney Jacobson, Ed Ferguson, Denny Striegel, Patrick Sabin, Jerry from Salt Lake City blue walsh 21 victor guzman gene eugene dx sean richmond mario charance andrew miller jeremy weltman chris riley johan Erdström. who is on this episode talking about metallica with me steven rodriguez tommy anderson gregory muse kenny mccrimmon leo from alaska brad Dahl, dan gurwan Victor Ruiz, Sam Soupy, Drake, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Jason Seth, Seth sorry. Anthony Mackey, by the way, is also on this program. Uh, we give him a big shout out here. He's a Patreon supporter. Uh, Steven Saylor, Ron Keel, Jean-Francois Blas, James Bennett, David Gray, Fred Roots, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, John Bovari and Metal Dan and oh and Ed Ed Ferguson is on the show too so Johan Ed and Anthony from numerous different parts of the world literally Sweden Ireland and and the United States Kentucky of here in the United States for Ed. Uh, those guys all join me on this episode to talk about ride the lightning and the other person who joins me is Doug Pinnock been trying to book him on the show for years excuse me and finally got him i'm drinking milk by the way (laughs) how metal is that drinking milk i don't drink enough milk i need my calcium i drink like soy milk and and stuff but right now i'm just drinking two percent regular milk tastes good all right like you care here we go let's get into the episode Alright, so I'm not gonna babble too much, but I just gotta pinch myself because Doug Pinnick, wow. Been trying to get him on for a long time, and we finally made it happen through a guy named Sean, who is a part of PFA Media. They are I guess a, a publicist uh management company type of thing. They do a lot of the rat pack record guys and you know, like George Lynch came through them and and Doug Pinnock, who has a great record coming out on Rat Pack. And, you know, I, I know I get on here and I kiss everyone's ass and, oh, your new record's great. Man, Doug Pinnock's new record is really great. And I'm not uh, on my life. I'm not just saying that to um, hype it because he's on the episode. I'm saying that because I like it. I really like it a lot. So let's get into the episode right now. The I'm sorry, we're in the episode already. Let's get into the interview right now with Mr. Doug Pinnock. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and for the first time ever on the Talking Metal Podcast, Doug Pinnick. How are you, man?
3: I have no complaints.
0: Great to meet I really you.
3: Don't. And it's crazy that I don't, but I don't. It's,
0: that's that's uh, that's that's great to hear because after this last couple of years, a lot of people have a lot of complaints. So I love the positivity, right. and I, I want to get you know into your history and stuff like that. But let's start off with this new record. You have a new solo record coming out. Joy Bomb, mm-hmm. available October 15th through Rat Pack Records. And I got sent over an advanced copy. I am loving this.
3: There's so much awesome, to talk about here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It makes me excited. It is
0: uh just really hit me. I mean, there's so much here to talk about. First, let's just in general talk about the sounds that we're hearing on this record because it doesn't sound, I mean, I feel like maybe you're kind of going somewhere new musically here and you know, at, at your age, I just find that, fascinating that you're you're still able to go to new places because a lot of us we get a little bit older and we're scared to go new places it's difficult to go new places but I hear you going new places here can you talk about emotionally uh, how you get to new places musically
3: honestly that's this is what I try to do every time I write a song every record everything I'm always looking for something outside the box just a little bit just enough to Push that train into Doug uh, creativity, you know. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's a subconscious kind of a, I think, for me, um, on this record, I really worked a little bit even harder at trying to be modern but retro. Um, the, the approach I took was basically, what do I like? What moved me? What gave me goosebumps? in every era of my life when it came to mis- when I listened to music or listened to someone play. And so I tried to create that with, with, uh, with joy Bum, you know, and that's why I think every song almost kind of sounds different from any other, you know, there's Absolutely. a lot of diversity and I didn't mean it to be that way, but it just seemed to, it just lend itself to that. Also one of uh, those songs are all written in a span of, like four or five years, um, mm-hmm. I, I never stopped writing songs. So uh, I just had enough songs and uh, Kings X took I had 27 songs. I took to Kings X for our new record and uh, and I had about 30 songs I had written in the last few years. So Kings X only took seven of them uh, for our new album. So I have all these songs left over. And so, you know, for me personally, if you if the band rejects a the song, then I go, OK it's not that good. Let me go home and work on it some more. Right. (laughs) And so push. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives me a push. And so I just went home on these and picked these songs and just said, you know, Doug, just try to try to push it a little bit try to try to do something that's a little bit outside the box. And yeah, I feel like I accomplished that in some ways for me personally, I don't know if anybody else even notices some of this stuff, but, but, uh, but I did purposely just kind of, where my influences on my sleeve, you know, like social distancing. I try to do slide, you know, slide doing if you want me to stay. You know, I mean, right. right. There's, there's always that, that that there's always those things that I just go, wow, that was such a cool guitar part. Let me find that tone and write me a song. Yeah, with it, let, you know? let's talk
0: about that song specifically, because mm-hmm. that is one of my favorites. I mean, it has awesome. this timeless vibe. And those guitar chords, like you said, especially in the verse, they sound like something out of like the late 60s, early 70s. But then, you know, the lyrics, this is not the time to lose your mind. Um, Those lyrics kind of bring me more into contemporary times with what we've been going through these past couple of years. I mean, obviously, even the title, Social Distancing, is this is this? I mean, you said a lot of these songs were written over the past five years. Was Mm -hmm. this one that you wrote during the pandemic?
3: Well, I I actually have to say it this way and want to answer all your questions is everything I write usually never has lyrics until I'm ready to put it out. So I had all these songs and some of them came earlier. Some came later. Um, I don't even remember when social distancing, I wrote it. I just, it was just in the pile of songs. And what I always do is when I write a lot of songs, it's like nine or 10 in a row, I'll just continually play them, you know, while I'm riding my car or whatever I'm doing. And all of a sudden, something happens and I'll hear a chorus and I'll hear some words in my head and I'll go, that works for that. Yeah, And I I rush home or whatever it is I do um, and I put it on, you know, so lyrics and melodies don't come to me easy. Songs do. I can write a song a day and it'll rock your brains out. But when it comes to melodies and words, to me, it's, uh, it's such a personal deep thing. And if I want people to appreciate how hard I work on the music. But I but the most important thing is and most people are listening to the words and the melodies. Most people are right. So so I, I write music for musicians, but I try to sing melodies for that average person who's walking down the street, just wanting to hear a tune. Um, uh, a tune about things they don't want to talk about basically <laughs> right.
0: right well i mean let's let's get into some of the other lyrics i, I like a yeah. wolf another song mm-hmm. I, I think is great i want to sing something that's never been sung i want to do something that's never been done I, I love that vocal harmony there's a really unique vocal harmony in the course that you hit there that i really like can you talk a little bit about maybe the meaning behind the lyrics if there you know if you have a meeting or is it just something that kind of came out of you
3: um a lot of times when i write a song there's 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 just a feeling and um i i I barely remember writing that song because this is one of my favorite songs on that record lyrically and when when i i like something that i wrote it's usually because i don't remember putting it together, it just kind of, it just came out and I'm going, Whoa, I want to do something that's never been done. You know, I thought I want to, I want to sing something that's never been sung. Cause I was at a place where I was going, I'm getting ready to do a solo record and what else have I got to offer? Um, I can't rehash myself and I have no respect for bands that just come out with the same old shit and never push the envelope. Right. And all, all my heroes, most of my heroes have literally done that and I've lost interest after five or six records. I'm going, you're not giving me nothing no more. You're not wowing me. And I go, well, I, if I wanna do what I do, I've got to somehow try to keep wowing people. And how do you do that? Well, you just keep being yourself and keep, keep, keep pushing the button and and, and not be afraid. And something inside me says, you've got nothing to lose at this point in your life. You know, you, you've done what you've done and you are who you are. So just get out there and do it. And right. so that's what this song came from. Musically, uh, you know, I've had I have a string guitars and I've been really into gent music a lot. And Masuga is like my favorite one of my favorite bands and uh you know and i love periphery and i know those guys i know both bands actually but uh um they're very inspirational in the low mathematical grooves that they came up with because uh it reminded me of the mathematical grooves of king's x but in a more extreme measure um, you know, I mean, when I born when I wrote Born to be Loved and we ended that weird ending to it, you know, the ups and downs in the in the backwards time signatures. I'm hearing that stuff in periphery and the sugar, but to an extreme, which gave me goosebumps. It inspired me. I went, whoa, let's we can go farther than this. And, you know, because everybody just pushes the envelope, you know, I mean, King's X dropped detuned and then and I hadn't didn't really hear of anybody. That was dropped, detuned. B- even though there was B- bands that were, and you know, and then uh, a few years later, everybody was dropped, detuned. B- and I right, thought, right. well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go down to see then. And Dogman comes out, and I went blower. You know, it's like a lot of things, things are reactionary. I just want to push the button a little bit more. I don't want to just be mundane in in the art that I make. You know
0: right on right on a couple more uh little bullet points on the album again joy bomb Mm -hmm. by doug pinnick out october 15th a long way from home great song i love the darkness that this song has but then there's maybe it's just me but there's little bits of like hope and joy that i feel come through like even like the the little guitar lead there there's like a little happiness (laughs) or something that comes through can you talk a little bit about that song a long way from home
3: Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I remember I wrote that song but the whole, with that song is I, I got 12 string bass. You know, I've been playing this 12 string bass for a while and, and a few songs in King's X and doing the KXM record. Uh, the last KXM record, George br- brought out his 12 string guitar and I thought, wow, I'm going to pull out my 12 string bass. And we wrote a couple songs with it. And in this studio, just the three of us without all the hoopla over all the mixing and the all the shit that comes on after you mix a record, but just the three of us together, both 12 strings, created this sound I had never heard before. Right. It was like it was like the Beatles in the mission on steroids, you know. And wow. uh, whoa, I like this sound. And so I wrote several songs with the 12 string. Uh, uh, um, and uh, that was one of them. Uh, there's another song on the album too. I think is uh, slaves is is with twelve string bass and twelve string guitar. I wow. went out and bought a I went out and bought a Rickenbacker twelve string, and thought, okay, I'm gonna use a Rickenbacker twelve and my you know, so and that's why that there's a really w- different kind of tone to it. Um, and a uh, long way from home. Literally, I was just thinking. I had no lyrics and nothing in my head. And I thought, you know, the old blues guys used to just say the same thing over and over again and then cap it with a with a ending. Or like one time I was watching Iggy Pop. I was on tour with uh, Living Color fronting them actually for wow. 10 shows in, in Europe. And Iggy Pop played after us in front of 40,000 people. It was cool. But uh, Iggy Pop, and I, I was into Iggy, but I never really paid attention to his records or nothing. I was just he's just a. Icon and I just had yeah. much respect for him, but I literally got to watch from the side of the stage in the first song. He kept going, no fun. And he said, no fun. And again, No fun. And I'm thinking, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no fun. What were you going with this? And then he says, <laughs> when you're alone. Right. And I went, Oh man. And it's like I thought, where am I going? I just keep moving. Where am I going? I just keep going. Where am I going? I just keep going. A long way from home. And, you know, for me, I just always have felt like I was a long way from home, a long wow. way from whatever it is that has their arms out for me to embrace me. I'm 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 away I'm away from that. So far away, I don't even remember it anymore. You know, so that's where a song comes from. Uh it's it can be taken as pretty shallow lyrically, actually, but it's pretty deep at the same time.
0: I got you. Cool. And again, the album Joy Bomb will be out October 15th. Guys, Key yeah. Changer, I'm sorry, has the music video out right now. What a groove mm-hmm. on that song. Turn up, turn up your stereo, let the music hit the spot. Just like, <laughs> man, it, you, you turn that on, you just, I just start bouncing in my chair, you know? It's that, such, a, that, such a great, great tune. Good. Yeah. So who's doing the like you got a drummer with you who what other musicians are on the record with you
3: um matt discorbiad played drums on the record he's a local drummer a uh, great friend of mine uh an amazing drummer and um we had been hanging out and we were just talking about you know i mean he said yeah you ever need a drummer for anything let me know you know and i thought you know i, I used uh on the whole record i used my superior drums and uh, i programmed the drums and and uh and I love it because it's real drums just programmed. Right. And, you know, with real drummers playing, just cutting and pasting. And you can come up with some great uh, real drum beats. And it's, it's, it's foolproof almost because half the stuff nowadays you hear on the radio is uh, superior drums. And so I do that on all my, all my stuff. But I thought, you know, let's put a real drummer on here because there's always just some kind of magic happens. Even if they're playing the same thing that I programmed, there's something about a real drummer that, that gives it that magic. And so I said, Matt, would you play on this record? I said, let's find a place where you can just set your drums up and I'll just send you a song every other week or so. And you just kind of learn and own it. And then send me a couple tracks back and see what you think, you know, just own it. And he did. And that's how that came out. I played everything else on the record except, uh, for four leads. Ah, okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah and uh in the remaining... and in all the harmonies everything it was all vocals from mine too oh yeah i assume that yeah but yeah, and again yeah.
0: great stuff and thanks for giving us this this record i cannot wait to uh <laughs> to get my hands on the physical copy of it I'm um excited. let's uh, talk just a little bit you mentioned kxm earlier mm-hmm. you put out three great records with those guys did you guys ever play a live show no, no, no live shows ever.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, we jammed before. Like, I remember at NAM, George got up and I got up and Ray got up and we did a blues or something. This was even before KXM. And people sometimes posted and say KXM, but you know, yeah. we just had, we, I don't think we had ever even played with each other before. We just got up and just, you know, it was. You know, when the, the, what I love about out in LA is there's a lot of jams happening, people just show up and you just go, Hey, Doug, you want to go do, uh, you know, Purple Haze with Ray? And I go, Fuck yeah, who are you going to play on drums? You know, go, Hey, for uh, guitar? Oh, no, George is over here. George, hey. You know, and we just, everybody goes out and has right. a good time. Uh, uh, so that's how that was. But other than that, no. Um, I hope we would, but we've tried, but it just seems like we can't get on the same page to, to, to go out and do it. Um, is it a Ray, scheduling
0: thing or, yeah, yeah, thing, or it, yeah. it's
3: all about scheduling period. Yeah. Cause Ray is just always with corn. Corn never comes home. They're just always going in, you know, and even when corn uh, has a, a little bit of time off, you know, Ray's got a family plus he's <laughs> has other gigs, you know? So right on. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. He'll go, he'll go do a, he'll be in a Bakersfield for like a month making a corn record. And he says, dude, I got a week off. Oh, uh, I'm coming up to Houston. Let's book a studio and we'll we'll work on this record. We'll knock out 10 songs. And go, OK, he right. gets up there and we knock him out, you know, and he's back in Bakersfield with K or with Korn again, working on the new record. I mean, right. that guy's an animal. He's amazing. The uh, hardest thing about doing live things with KXM is there's a lot of layering and stuff and a lot of vocals I, I hope, you know, we'd have to reinvent something when we went out to do them live, you know, or take another right. guitar player, maybe you know. Yeah.
0: But you sound sound like it maybe could happen sometime. Oh yeah, that's there's always a possibility. Cool. And Grinder Blues, you just got a, a record out with these guys can for people yeah. who don't know Grinder Blues, can you maybe just give us the the 2-minute bio on this band?
3: Yeah. Grinder Blues is my blues band and we try our, our whole thing is to take traditional blues and give it that ZZ top trace ombres Vibe, but push the envelope maybe just a little teeny bit more. The same as Easy Top did in '71 when they put out Trace uh, uh, Trace It just kind of redefined blues in a heavier sense, and and it, but they didn't really and take away from the tradition of it. And so um, that was kind of what we wanted to do with Grind of Blues. Also, no deep, heavy lyrics, just blues stories, just cool right. stuff. To, and, and the boogie woogie. And something that in, in this band, we can go out the door right now and set up and play. I mean, all we need is sticks, a bass, and a guitar, and we'll plug into whatever you got. Well, that's how organic <laughs> cool. it is, and that's so how much fun. And everything is tuned to C. Our wow. guitars are all tuned down to C, so it's imagine, uh, uh, imagine ZZ Top tuned to C <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right with, with me, with me singing too, and my singing is is uh, I, I grew up in a gospel uh, blues atmosphere, and and also choir and and other things, so show tunes. So I learned to sing. different genres i I love to sing like the white boy in the glee club you know and i make up harmonies like that but with Grindr blues it's all about the blues so so my singing is pretty much down in the in the soul section if that's the kind of part you like in my voice then you're gonna love this
0: absolutely yeah and we need also if you don't mind we'd love to hear a update on king's x the the album we heard back in june was being mastered right
3: Yes, it's been mastered. Uh, it's at the record company and they're starting the campaign. Um, we're taking it slow because we're trying to figure out what this whole COVID thing and you know, all the all the things that are happening. And we want to put the record out without a lot of distractions and, you know, getting sick on the road or just all the controversy. You know, just want to wait a little bit longer and do this right.
0: Right. And there were some King's X dates booked for October. Are those still happening?
3: Uh, We canceled them as far as I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. And musically and stylistically, what can we expect from the new King's X?
3: Um, Every song is completely different than the other mixed and sonically everything. We took every song and tried to do like the Beatles white album and just sit down with a song and go, let's give it what it needs. I don't have to have my Doug Pinnock gravelly tone. If I need a Paul McCartney type sound, you know, Type, you know, even he would fix his guitars into, to, to make this is, this is like a whatever song and let's make it a court, you know, make it what it is. And, but, but it, it still be King's X. So I think that it sounds like King's X, but it's, it's, Hopefully, everyone will feel that we took another step forward. You know, this is our whole point. is just to try to, to push forward instead of looking back. Um, there's a lot of things on this record that are reminiscent of King's X totally, but, it's, but then there's just this new King's X, I think. Uh, sonically, uh, we're really excited because it's a complete analog record, except for Pro Tools. Wow. It was laid down with an, uh, analog everything. And it was mastered on analog tape and uh, even EQ'd with analog tube uh, EQs to saturate the tape to get compression instead of digits. So there's no digits on this record. So when you hear it. It's going to take you back a little bit. It's it sounds like you put a real record on in the seventies. It sonically, it's like things jump out at you, and then they don't. It's like you go, "Wow, the bass is huge," but I can hear everything else because you can like put your hands in it almost. And uh, Michael Parnon just did an amazing job, a painstaking job, is to to get it to sound like a a record that you can put on and play forever. And I can't wait till we put the records out. I think we're going to put a double record a double album out and and you plan on 45 to get the best quality
0: out of it. Wow. Cool. And so when you play it at the 45 speed, it just, uh, it's a, gives it a richer sound. I guess, oh right? yeah. Cause oh, the, yeah. Wait, the grooves are spread out further on right, the vinyl. Right? right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Cannot wait to hear that. Uh, no real date set that you could talk about. No, as to, no, no, no. 2022.
3: That's all we can really, Okay. you know, say at this point, because we don't want to commit to something because we just don't know what's going on. And, you know, people have waited, (laughs) waited so long. It's like, I mean, it's it's terrible, but hopefully good things come to those who wait because we haven't put a King's X workout out in 13 or 14 or 15 years. I lost count. Right on.
0: Right on. Last uh, question before I let you know, loved seeing you do the Hendrix tribute. That would, I think I saw that in Newark, New Jersey, Ah, last time you were out on the road. That was so much fun. Do you enjoy going out and paying tribute to people like Hendrix and, and would you ever consider doing something like that again?
3: I hope they call me back again. Um, I had so much fun. A couple of the biggest things was because I was, I was the pop. Out there, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm usually the oldest, and everywhere I go, I'm the old guy, you know, and um, <laughs> right. and in this lab, we had, you know, we had Billy Cox, he's 10 years older than me, and, right, and right. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Taj Mahal and people like that, and it was like so nice to sit and listen to them tell me stories. About the old days, and I learned instead of me running my mouth about what I, you know, oh yeah, you should have been back in '71 when I saw Black Sabbath. You know, they they they're telling me things, and I'm going, oh my God, you were there. Right. You know, right. it's just so good, and they they encouraged me too. They uh, it was like they 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 were like a big brothers that would kick me in the butt. Like Taj Mahal said to me, he said, dude you're a badass bass player. And I'm going, thanks, man. And he goes, I can't stand bass players with picks because, you know, I'm a bass player and I come from a family of bass players, but you make it work. <laughs> and I went, whoa. <laughs> and it, Billy Cox runs up on stage one day and he says, dude, what are you playing through? Let me see this pedal. And I go, it's a Doug Pinnick pedal. It's my signature pedal. He goes, what's it do? I go, Everything. And right. I said, I don't know how to show you because we're going to do a sound check. And, and I said, all you got to do is go on uh, YouTube and look up the pedal and you'll find out everything. And I felt like, Oh my God, I'm telling Billy Cox to go look up my shit. And he comes <laughs> back the next day and says, it's got everything I want. I'm getting two of them. And I go, I can get you two. he goes, no, right. I'm paying for them. I can wow. get him a g- guitar stand. And I'm going, yeah. And, and he says, you badass. I've been learning some stuff from you. And I'm going, I sat down at 22 years old and learned banded gypsies no for no listening to you, you know? And so it was surreal for me. And also doing that stuff is I really dug into Jimi Hendrix vocally and what Billy, and the bass players were exactly doing, and I did the, it did what they did. I did my homework right. really well. Nobody else probably noticed, you know, there are certain bass lines that you don't notice that Billy Cox is doing when Jimmy was doing like voodoo child. Billy didn't play the riff that the Jimmy Hendrix did, but whenever you go see a live band do it, they're going do dun. dun, 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 dun. But the bass player was playing uh Bojidley, oh, And wow. Jimmy was going down. So little things like that I noticed was wow. And uh, you know, uh this is just so much fun. I could talk about that all day because right. that was some of the that was one of the highlights of my life to be on a stage that big and be belting on Jimi Hendrix. And his even his sister said that. That uh, I really I was one guy that really brought the the memory of the brother wow. back, and she gave me a compliment on it. So it was really surreal for me. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great. We hope you can uh,
0: get back on stage with with that type of tribute. Have you done any other and, other tributes besides the Hendrix one?
3: Well, nothing live, but nothing I, live I've done yet. a lot of a lot of the uh, uh, Bob Kulick. Uh, tribute right. albums that he put out. I've, I've sung on those a lot, but Jimmy Hendrix is somebody that I could do naturally. Yet yeah, Our voices are similar in some ways. And so that was the fun of it too, because I could smoke weed and still go out on stage and <laughs> sing those right. songs because they weren't too high. Jimmy Hendrix's songs are in my range where I didn't kill myself every night, like with King's X. Yeah. And so that was a joy to not be able to struggle. Right. On. And know that I was going to get hit the notes without embarrassing myself with King's X. It's really rough. There's well, we we sing some really tough vocal parts and harmonies that I have to be up for. And at, at this point in my life, it's a struggle and I don't execute them as well. And it's and you know, I'm I'm at a point where I need to start making some decisions as to what I'm going to say, what I'm not anymore, okay. you know.
0: Okay, I hear you. Well, we we cannot wait for the new King's X. And in the meantime, we have the Joy Bomb record from you coming October yes. 15th, which is just a great listen. I highly recommend it to our listeners. And uh, so great talking with you, Doug. Thank you for your Thank time. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much, man. Hope to talk to you again.
0: All right. Special thanks to Doug Pinnock for joining me. And we are going to talk Ride the Lightning in just a minute with Ed, Johan, and Anthony, three people who support me on Patreon. They get that bonus podcast every Monday that's exclusive to the Patreon bunch, and they get a T-shirt too, Talking Metal T-shirt. Please join me there. It's the best way to support me and support what we do here. There is a new episode of talking rock out if you haven't heard that you can you can find that all things mark striegel by the way can be found at markstriegel.net. my last name is spelled s-t-r-i-g-l it's mark with a k m-a-r-k-s-t-r-i-g-l.net my wife and i we we recently blew through ted lasso you guys watching that uh apple tv I tell you the first season was great man First season was great Second season I feel like eh, it's like not quite as good But loved loved the first season And I loved hearing the references to some of our hard rock favorites Like David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar The 5150 album is referenced um, Ace Fraley is referenced Kiss in the second season they referenced Dave Grohl and Jimmy Page yeah, it makes me wonder if one of the writers on that show listens to this podcast, because we all love all those all those artists right there. They also give a shout-out to Bono of U2, and I think Pat Benatar got a shout-out. But yeah, man, season one was just so epic, and I feel like season two started off right, and then it kind of like, man, I watched the Christmas episode last night. I could barely make it through it. It was so so bad. So I don't understand how it goes from being so great the not so great I'm going to stick with it I hope season 2 improves because again if you haven't seen season 1 go watch it it freaking kicks ass anyways we're going to talk Ride the Lightning right now the second Metallica record and this is something we do and it's exclusive to the people who support me on Patreon we have about 50 of you supporting me now and three of you chose to join in on a Sunday afternoon to talk Metallica with me for for a bit I I just really love doing these discussions with. I feel like I'm talking with my friends about one of my favorite albums. Wait, I am doing that. Yeah, and here we go. Here's a discussion about Ride the Lightning by Metallica. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are doing one of our album discussions once again here on the Talking Metal podcast. I am joined by three devoted patrons from the Patreon page. These guys support me every month and I do not take it for granted. Let's uh, just do a quick intro. And guys, if you can just tell me your full name and where you're checking in from, then we'll get into our discussion on of Ride the Lightning by Metallica. Let's start with you, Johan. How are you, man?
2: Doing good. I'm calling in from Sweden, as always, uh, on a dark and rainy night.
0: And where are you in Sweden, exactly?
2: Uh, I am in the south of Sweden, in a town called Ljungby, uh, 1.5 Swedish miles from the place where Cliff Burton died. So Metallica has a a special place here in our town. It's a big attraction uh, to go to the stone. Uh, A lot of people from all over the world go there. So, It is what it is.
0: Yeah, and you've posted pictures of yourself standing there, I believe, in a Talking Metal (laughs) t-shirt. I'm correct, right? Yes, yes, you're correct. (laughs) Awesome. And speaking of Talking Metal t-shirts, I know you guys can't see Ed, but he is wearing his today. Thank you, Ed. And Ed, remind us where you're checking in from. Lexington, Kentucky. Awesome. Kentucky, the United States of America. And Ed, as always, you have uh, your... Album represented in the back there. I can see yeah, the dude. Ride the R- Lightning vinyl. And we will talk about that for sure in just a minute. But first, we have one more introduction. Who else do we have here?
4: We have Anthony here. I'm calling the name from Ireland.
0: Anthony Mackey, great to see yeah. you. Thank you for joining us. Let's, let's get right into it. I'll share a little bit up top here. I'm uh, riding the mute button because I have some barking dogs here. And and guys, if you can hit your mute button when you're not talking, but we did a vote on the Patreon page. We had a lot of people vote, but not so many checking in for the actual discussion. Uh, And Ed, you helped pick these. You didn't help. You actually chose these albums. You gave me even a longer list that I kind of narrowed down, but the choices were Def Leppard, Pyromania, Metallica, Ride the Lightning, Testament, The Legacy, Megadeth, Peace Cells, Anthrax among the living ACDC, let there be rock rat out of the cellar slayer, rain and blood. And these are some potent records, just such good ones. I had a hard time voting myself, I did, I believe, end up voting for ride the lightning. But I got to tell you, Rat is a is a close second place for me. All these records, Among the Living, Peace Cells, they were, Pyromania, all such big records for me. Pyromania by Def Leppard got three votes. Ride the Lightning, the winner, got nine votes. Testament, the Legacy, got two votes. Megadeth, Peace Cells, two votes. Anthrax, Among the Living, two votes. ACDC, Let There Be Rock, one measly vote for that amazing record uh rat out of the cellar this really tells you something about our supporters and listeners here on the talking metal podcast eight votes so a close second place for out of the cellar slayer rain and blood uh one vote yeah so there you go um let's let's just go around i'm curious do you guys want to share what album you voted for if not i I respect your privacy
4: (sighs) I think I went Ride the Lightning.
1: Me too. What about you, Ed? Yes. Rain and Blood is probably my favorite of all time, but I felt like we needed to discuss Ride the Lightning first.
0: Okay, there you go. So the four of us voted for this record. And let's start with just some short memories. I had heard the song Fade to Black. It had just come out, and somebody played it for me, and I was absolutely blown away. Um, I picked up the vinyl and there's a short period in history where Electra, they hadn't signed to Electra yet. So a lot of people say, oh, well, Ride the Lightning was the first record they released on Electra when they signed to a major. True, but not true, because it was originally released as an independent on Megaforce for about three to four months before they signed to electra prior to master of puppets being released obviously and electra then stuck their you know uh, brand on it and re-released it and got it you know major distribution at that point i'm lucky enough to actually own the very rare megaforce pressing of it without the electra name on it i i pr- i have a lot of pride in owning that it is a uh, sorry about the barking dog. Uh, it is one of my favorites, but yeah. So just an amazing, um, amazing ride for me while my dog settles down. I'm going to actually throw it over to you, Ed, your initial memories of this record. When did you first hear it?
1: Here's a little throwback to the past for a lot of your listeners. Probably there used to be a show on our local rock station that uh, would come on every Thursday night around 11 o'clock lasted for two or three hours called the metal shop. You ever listened to that show growing
0: up? Yes. Yeah. I remember it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well of course I told you about uh, how difficult it was for me to listen that metal it, growing up and It was like
0: a syndicated radio show so it would you know probably recorded who knows where LA New York somewhere and they would I think it was New York actually and they would they would so. syndicate it then into different local markets so not everyone right. in the country had access to it but in certain FM markets you could hear it
1: That's right And and lucky for me my parents uh, made a bedroom for me on the other end of the house and I'd be up late at night listening to the radio. And then one night I discovered that show, The Metal Shop, I think in the spring of 84, just a few months before Ride the Lightning came out. So one night I'm up listening to the show, probably around midnight, and I remember them announcing they were gonna play a couple of songs by Metallica off their new record, Ride the Lightning. And just hearing that band name and the title of the record was exciting. So, of course, I kept my ear glued to the radio, and I believe the first thing that they played uh, was "Ride the Lightning." and I was just blown away you know from the first sound of those bar chords, you know, that riff and ride the lightning." It's just so raw and electric and heavy and and you're starting to hear uh, more of that heavy juggy sound that we started to hear in heavy metal as the years went on. And then right after that, they played. Uh, for whom the bell tolls. And of course, you hear that descending juggy metal riff. And it just had me hooked. And then...
0: Which was done on bass, by the way, that, you know, da 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 that was the guitar. Right. That, that, uh-huh. that was, that's right. That little... That was Cliff,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I had this, you know, terribly exciting metal moment where I'm discovering Metallica. I run to the mall and I buy this on cassette. I bring it back home and start playing it. And then I was blown away all over again, hearing my very first real speed thrash metal song. You know, about that time, the fastest thing I was listening to was uh, Raven, some Motorhead, that kind of thing. Uh, But you know, you put on fight fire with fire and just that acoustic introduction tells you that something awesome is about to happen. And of course, you know, they crash into that song and they start playing that blazing fast thrash speed metal riff to start the song off. And the drums come in and I was just in metal heaven after that. It was awesome.
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was trying not to jump in and cut you off, but so much to unwrap there. I mean, just first of all, the song Ride the Lightning, the second song on the record, his vocals, James's vocals on that are so fierce i mean Mm. he he never in some ways he never really went there uh, again with that shrieking it was just i don't think he could nowadays but wow i mean what a vocal performance specifically on that song and throughout this record and the it be really side 1 of the record became the blueprint for all thrash records that that followed from you know Slayer mm-hmm. to Armored not Armored Saint, uh Agent Steel to I uh, just to Exodus where it was that like mellow beginning into just complete chaos now mm-hmm. we we hear about oh well thrash it was Metallica Megadeth the Slayer i hear that so much but the truth is for people who lived through it there was nothing like fight fire with With fire out there this raised the bar you listen to slayer before this record you listen to any band any band before this record this was thrash ground zero man this is where it, Mm -hmm. it began with that song there was nothing like that on the planet i'd heard hardcore i'd heard punk i'd heard metal when I, when I put on fight fire with fire, I didn't know what to make of it. You know, I bought Mm -hmm. the record because of fade, fade to black. And the first time I heard fight fire with fire, I didn't know if I liked it. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was that I was rattled to my core by that song. And then I listened to it again and again. And then I was hooked. I mean, that song was so insane for that time. Uh, I will also just, before I throw it over to one of the other guys, This is my favorite Metallica record. In some ways, you know, Master of Puppets is a better record. I I really think it's it's and that's my second favorite, but and in some ways I feel like it should be my first because I know it's better. I know the sound is better. I know the songs are better. I know they they matured, but there's something there's like a innocence and a a organic carelessness and like we don't like this out of control feeling to ride the lightning that makes it more exciting to me, uh, for just slightly. And, and again, those two records are two of my favorite records of all time. I mean, kill them all great, but the, the leap between kill them all and ride the lightning, that first Metallica and the second Metallica record to me is, is massive. I mean, you know, and I've even heard them say, Hey, we were kind of trying to be like motorhead with kill them all, but what they did with ride the lightning to me blew the doors off a whole new uh world in for heavy metal what metal was going to become and you mentioned the name metallica how brilliant i mean these were kids these guys were like 19 20 years old how brilliant to call your band metallica from a marketing level i mean and i'm sure that's probably not something they thought of you know but Wow, let's let's throw over to uh, let's go to Anthony next. Anthony, Ireland, uh, a different okay. part of the world from the states. Obviously, when do you first remember getting into this record? Were you a fan from the get-go? Was it years later that you got into it? Let's talk Ride the no, Lightning what, from your well, personal, uh, you know, position.
4: Well, Ride the Lightning was my was my first Metallica album that I got into, and it was new out at the time. Um. I remember my well, my brother at the time, well, he's still my brother, went over to England for a holiday, well, to visit family and came, used to come back with records. So he came back with, I think, I'm pretty sure Ride the Lightning was one of them, but he also had like, uh, I guess, Accept and things like that. And these are albums that you couldn't get in Ireland, they were imports here. So they were on the Music for Nations over here, the uh, British label, and like anthrax and things of like that were also on Music for nations and they came back with a few albums in like Queen's and a compilation album called "Hell Comes to Your House," which was a compilation of metal from music Music for Nations. so I was here in, uh like probably the first you talked about the first thrash metal album, so, song you heard. I think the first thing I heard was probably Death Rider uh, Anthrax, and that was also on that compilation. And uh, Creeping Death was on that compilation. And um, I have distinct memories of just standing at my family stereo playing this this album and. Creeping Death coming on and just being stopped. Like, what is this? And I just stood with my head to the speaker for the length of the song. And yeah, it felt like everything is new from now on.
0: Right, yeah. Groundbreaking album, groundbreaking song, incredible song on side two, Creeping Death, one of Metallica's greatest songs that was sort of uh, reworked it was a song that, that that Kirk and Gary Holt of Exodus had kind of been messing around with when they were playing together in Exodus and Gary Holt has expressed that, you know, he probably should have had a songwriting credit on that, but if there are demos, I've done it, it was years ago, but you can, you used to at least be able to find them on YouTube and stuff of the original kind of creeping death Exodus version. And no disrespect towards early Exodus or anything, but but the Metallica version was, it was just, you know, there was no comparison, but you definitely could hear where things had been borrowed and blatantly, you know, taken from that earlier version of the song that Gary Holt and Kurt Hammett had, <clears throat> I assume, written together in Exodus.
4: That's interesting. Because so I, I still, to this day, I think Creeping Death is the ultimate, Heavy metal song. Like if you wanna if somebody asks you what is heavy metal, creeping death.
0: Yeah. Now the way I remember it, and again, it's been years since I've 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 done this where I've gone back and listened to the exodus version but i think i think and hit me up on twitter guys if i'm wrong but that die by my hand where it's like die die that that was right out of the exodus version and that is definitely one of the real powerful moments of that song but johan i do want to get over to you but let's let's just while we're here and before we leave anthony side two interesting you know you had you had trapped under ice you had uh, I- Escape, which a song they they never used, played live until more recent years. And I remember them talking about that in an interview that they did on, um, it was a-, a show called Real Precious Metal. It was done in the Chicago world where I lived at the time, suburbs, and them complaining about Escape that the record company had kind of pushed them to do a more commercial song. And when you listen to that song, I was listening to it the other day to kind of prep for this. There's some of the lines that James delivered were in there where he almost sounds like he's kind of being a little sarcastic or, or uh, silly about it. it. looks like, do we have somebody else trying to join? Oh, uh somebody's in the chat. Uh, oh, I love escape. Ed, Ed says, yeah, it, it really is. I love it too. And I remember being upset that when I heard this interview with them, which I think they did, around the ride the lightning time or could have even been before then that, that I was upset that they didn't like that song, but call, call, what was the instrumental call to Cthulhu at the end there. Um, another great, great song. Uh, and, and yeah. And the thing about this record too, four songs, each side, you know, on the original pressing. And I, I do feel like, you know, as the CD era came about and, and records were able to become longer that, there was some sometimes you know with metallica too even with injustice for all it was it was long man i i felt like i felt like man it's it's a little it's a little too long it didn't really leave me wanting more like this these four songs you know, this record was forty-seven minutes long. I mean, I just would listen to it over and over and over again. And and you know, the golden rule of show business: leave them wanting more, which is exactly what this record did. Uh, which is when "Creeping Death" was released as a single, I, I bought it. I already had the record. I already had "Creeping Death" on "Ride the Lightning," but I bought the single, and wow, I got two additional cuts. Am I evil? You know, and and what blitzkrieg, right? Yeah, so so great, so great, such um, a great era of of Metallica. But Anthony, any other memories of the of this album that you want to share?
4: Yeah, I was just gonna say about Escape. um, I remember reading them sort of talking about how they were pressured into writing a more commercial song, and they 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 dissed this song, but they wouldn't say which one it was. And I remember going. Well, I don't know what song it is. I couldn't tell which right. one was this commercial song that they had written. Because Escape is still pretty heavy, you know? And um, just about Fire with Fire, I always thought that was... That, light like, intro... I always thought that came from Bass as a Shark, the Accept yeah. song. That's, that's proto-thrash, like, that song.
0: Yeah, well, that, the Accept, song for sure which you know we'll have to have looked at the calendar but was probably a couple years before. Uh, yeah before oh, yeah. Uh, fast as a shark that had this like german uh i don't know what you'd call it uh what's I what's know, the word traditional type of song playing heidi Ho," and then there was a record scratch and boom they kicked in so a lot of people point to that song fast as a shark as Proto thrash, you know, what kind of laid the groundworks for thrash metal, it it put the bar just a little higher. There's some people that even call that the first thrash metal song. But, you know, that's that's debatable to me where they went with fire with fire was just like, you know, that was a new world at the time. It, It always kind of miffs me a little bit when I hear people, well, these all these bands invented thrash together. And I I don't agree with that. I think Metallica, man, that what you hear with fight fire with fire, that's it right there. That's where it all began in, in my book, Um, you know, and also in Ian Christie's book, literally his (laughs) sound of the beast book. He lays out a pretty good argument that really truly Metallica and, and, you know, really just blew open this new era of metal for sure um so johan when do you remember hearing this record what's your personal experience with this record what was the first time you you heard the record
2: uh i think it was in 1985 i taped it from a friend as you did back then uh i had it on a 90-minute cassette and you know you played the whole album over and over again, you never stopped. You just listen yeah, to the whole album. Absolutely. Uh, uh, my memories of memories. It's still active in my mind. That album. Uh, For whom the bell tolls. Uh, I have seen Metallica at least ten times, and uh, that song, you know, it always makes the, the crowd go crazy especially when they play it like the second or the third in the set list. Uh, So that's a great song. Uh, And I can still listen to it today. Incredible song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I also remember back in 1985, I played, you know, I listened to Trapped Under Ice and I played uh, air guitar. I wanted to play the solo that's in the beginning on Trapped Under Ice. I thought it was amazing.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the solo on Trapped Under Ice, Johan. And I just wanted to point out that... Every heavy metal song back in those days had a guitar solo, but not For Whom the, uh, for whom the Bell Tolls. No guitar solo in that song, which, yeah. was, which was rare in those times.
2: Yeah, it ends with a guitar solo, live. What's that? It, 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 for Whom the Bell Tolls. Doesn't it end with a guitar solo?
0: It has some weird noises. I don't know if I'd actually uh, yeah. call it a solo, but yeah, sure. We could argue that one and way or the other. Into,
2: yeah. uh, they go into sanitarium, like they did back then. From from the bell tolls, in the live setting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's what well, it's still a very good record. The only song that I don't listen much to is the Call of Cthulhu, but the rest is. I mean, this is a record I can pick up every month to listen to. Some right, song and, and you
0: welcome like... welcome home Sanitarium off of uh, the Master of Puppets, the next record. I always felt like that was them kind of saying okay but we need we need something that's you know similar to fade to black we need to kind of uh do that again and that was always the vibe i got from welcome home sanitarium an incredible song but even kind of the the mellow guitar part at the beginning it's very similar to fade to black as that open E and then the B note on the fifth string. And I guess that would be like an F sharp on the fourth string. It's, it's a very similar, uh, sound and, and a lot of the same exact notes actually a uh, great song though. But yeah. yeah, back to you. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: No, you didn't. No, no, no. I, I much have been said, uh, you know, I listened to fight fire today when I was out walking, uh, uh that song is, that's a brutal, brutal song, still is. I mean, in the middle, when it's just Lars playing drums and the guitar goes back again, it's, oh, wow, it's so good.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Lars is always, people, oh, he's not a good drummer, you know, this and that, but but he was. Like, like Ringo was to the Beatles, he was the perfect drummer for Metallica. You know, I, and and when I was listening to that with headphones, I have no proof of this whatsoever, but I was listening to, to, I believe it was Fight Fire with Fire. And there's a couple times where there's like cymbal bashes that sound like they're overdubs, like that they went back and added those in on different tracks. They just, it has a certain non-organic feel in a way to it, which I know I just said the whole record has an organic feel, but which it's just brilliant. I, I think I think the production on this is there's just, again, there's just sense of chaos. It feels like this runaway train that is gonna fly off the track at any point and it never quite does. It hangs on. Whereas again, with with Master of puppets, it's a little more, it's a little tighter. It's a little together. It feels a little more in control to me and which is great. Again, it, to me, one of the greatest metal records of all time, master of puppets. Uh, I feel like it should, I should like it better than ride the lightning, but I don't, I, you know, I just, it's one of those things. Um, so you've seen him 10 times. When, when was the, let's, let's say, when was the last time you saw him, Johan?
2: Uh, it was, uh, the, well, in Copenhagen for the latest record, uh, Hard, right. what's now, Hardwired.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good uh, tour. I, I saw it too. One thing I like, just totally random, one thing I, I like and also dislike about Metallica is they do tend to mix up the set list uh, a lot of nights. Now, I saw them on that tour too, and I was a little disappointed because the night I saw them, They actually played more new songs and didn't have quite as many old songs in the set list. And then the next night they had a ton of old songs, but I I like that. I like bands like a Metallica, you know, and a lot of non-metal bands, not a lot a a handful, like Pearl Jam and Radiohead and even a Bruce Springsteen. They they mix it up night to night. And I think that that's exciting for the fans to never know exactly what you're going to get in the set list. Whereas with, Two of my favorite bands of all time, Kiss and Maiden, it's like they go out for, you know, back in the old days, they'd go out for a year at a time and play the same single songs every single night, but which is cool, too. But I I, I like the not being able to get on my phone nowadays and and look and know what exactly what they're going to play. You know, it's it's kind of uh, keeps the excitement alive, but. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, let's go free. Let's kind of just go free form here. Anybody want to jump in? What do we think of the guitar playing on this record, Anthony? I know you're a guitar player. What are your thoughts of what Kurt Hammett brings to the table with his solos? Uh,
4: I listened to it three times this week, and uh, you know, listened a bit more carefully to the solos, and some of them are amazing. Really, really good. Uh, It's only later or recently you know the, discovered that basically james plays all the rhythm guitars on metallica albums and i was very disappointed to find that out
0: yeah that's that's uh, the story uh, that he would overdub it two three four times yeah. sometimes and that
4: kirk wouldn't yeah. even play uh, that's disappointing but whatever like um yeah the guitar playing is amazing art. it's great so yeah. heavy as well really loud guitars on this album
0: Absolutely. And, uh, I know Ed, you're a guitar player too. You want to chime in on any Yeah, of the guitar I love,
4: sounds? I love the
1: sound of this, the guitars on this record. It makes you feel like you're in the garage, you know, with your buddies listening to them jam and, uh, you know, master of puppets, like you said, that got a little bit more, uh, produced. And I, I like the sound of ride the lightning a lot better especially the way, you know, they play some of those riffs. You can feel the electricity coming from that guitar through their fingers. And uh, I love it. Yeah, I, I could go on forever about it.
0: Oh, what was I going to, I was going to, yeah, I was going to mention, oh, the again, the production of this. Now, I loved the production of P-Cells, which you know, a little a couple of years after this, I hate what Mustaine, I've said this before on the podcast, how he went back and reworked the production on it even it really re-recorded is. some stuff I, I just can't stand that can you imagine if metallica went back and re you know oh well we don't like the production on this record and redid it how how horrible that would be you know and and i, I just every time when i listen to Sirius xm you know and, and a megadeth song comes on it's like these new recorded re-recorded versions they're not even remixed and remastered like he added like parts to it yeah it's sad yeah. so thank thankfully metallica hasn't done that but
1: they have are releasing all of these remastered like this is a remastered ride the lightning okay um I, and, but luckily there's not a huge difference you know like you hear in Mustaine's remixes where he turned the bass up too loud and
0: yeah. Well, like remastering, that. you know, the mastering process, they're not going in and shifting levels of, you know, okay, let's make the guitars louder. Let's bring the drums down. Let's r- remove that gated reverb off the snare there. They're not doing that. They're taking the actual mix down and just tweaking the the entire EQ of it, you know, mm-hmm. where, so there's. Yeah, you know, they, they they can definitely mess with the sound by mastering, but not as much as they do when they remix and even yeah. in Megadeth's instant re re record it. But I don't, you know, this is a discussion about Ride the Lightning that we are currently going to wrap up. Uh, so we'll move away from from Megadeth, and uh, I just again such such a warm place in my heart, and such an, a. a to this day, an emotional reaction that I have to this record when I, when I put it on, cause it brings you back, you know, it really brings you back to a place that, that you were when, when, you, when you were a kid and yeah, you know, listen, we're all getting older and I, I try to stay open to new things and not be the, the grouchy old man. Of, well, when we were kids, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but sometimes I am that guy, you know, and, and, and with this record, there's nothing nowadays that, that makes me feel like I feel when I hear this this record. But uh, we're down to our last three minutes, so I do want to give you guys the, the mic. Johan, any last thoughts or anything you want to share with us before we log off for today?
2: Oh, what can I say? That hasn't already been said, but... I tend to, sometimes Ride is the best Metallica album, sometimes Master is, and sometimes Unjustice for All is. Right, I'm with you. Those three albums, is my, it variates, you know.
0: Yeah. And you know, people put down the black record, I think just turned 30, right? I, you know, I, I think there's some really great moments on that. Maybe we'll save that for another podcast, but for sure. I'm with you. Those three records from for me too. Um, I, I would put in kill em all in there too. That was a big record for me too. I don't know if kill em all, if, if I'd go kill them all over in justice for all, but, but yeah, a, a, a discussion for another day, Ed final thoughts. I, we're down to our final two minutes. So I'll give you about yeah. 30, 45 seconds. Any yeah, final just, thoughts?
1: I love this record to this day. I listen to it pretty much on a weekly basis. I play several of these songs on guitar for fun all the time. The lyrical right content, you know, you can still relate to it as a 50 year old man yep. as you would when you were a teenager. Cause they're, instead of talking about girls and partying or losing your girl, they're talking about things that we uh, fear and, or social issues that we're all, we struggle with our whole life. And it's, it's a timeless record.
0: Yeah. I mean, even, even depression and suicidal thoughts and and fade to black. I mean, that's a, that's some Mm -hmm. heavy, heavy topics there for sure. And we are down to our last minute, Anthony, any final, any final words here?
4: Uh, Just that this is pretty much the template for a lot of the metal albums from the next the following 20 100%, years. Correct.
0: Well. I'm with you 100% on that. It opened the door to a new era of metal that, you know, Again, read Ian Christie's book. It's a great read, uh, but Sabbath and Metallica, the two most important bands in metal, according to Ian Christie. And he really lays out a good argument for that in his book, Sound of the Beast, which is probably like 10, 15 years old at this at this point, but uh, still a great read that I go back and, and look over every now and again. Anyways, thank you guys. Thank you for supporting me on Patreon. Thanks to all the other supporters on Patreon. We really uh, appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, so for now, signing off and we'll do this again real soon. Another uh, another album will vote on Patreon. You can join me there, guys, for as little as two dollars a month. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All
0: right, guys, thanks for joining me on the Talking Metal podcast. Support me on Patreon. Follow me on Twitter at Talking Metal. And then I have this other Twitter account that's at Striegel, which I, I, I wish I could combine the two but for the time being, I'm holding on to both of them. I don't know. I heard it's easier to get verified if the actual handle is your name, but I barely have any followers on the Striegel handle, but I don't know. I gotta. I think I got to figure out which one to keep going. I mean, right now I do more on at Talking Metal, so
3: I guess follow, follow me on both. Why not, right? All right. Talk to you later, guys. Have a great week.